0: When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two and up, and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud. I mean, out one won. Best League. town in the world. Best town in the world. Best, town in the world. Best town in the
1: world. More drama here. Gilani.
2: North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson.
3: 1-1. It's brilliant. 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 Brilliant.
4: Welcome on to episode number 108 of the Twitter and Trust podcast. You thought you got rid of us, but we're back this week. Uh, delighted to be joined by Jury Connor, Jerry, Jerry How's Things?
5: Yeah, good, 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 Running A little bit stressed out running and racing, but Sherlock, that's the time of year, isn't it?
4: Sean Dunn, how are you? i All
5: good, Ronan. thank you.
4: And Donald Kelly,
0: comment ça va? 3pm, uh, running. <laughs> Merci. <laughs> Uh,
4: uh. so this week we'll discuss all things finances we'll be joined by Sly Club Treasurer David Rowe and we'll also chat to both fan and curator of the financial performance blog John O'Connor right delighted to say now joined by Sly Treasurer David Rowe first of all David you're welcome to the podcast
3: thank you very much Rowan
4: so David first of all um, if we kind of look back on the season that was I suppose our highest well the, the largest budget the club has has ever had um and unfortunately I suppose the success on the pitch didn't match that. Um is that was that a frustration first of all for yourself?
3: Yeah I suppose we went into the season and Boyd if we all remember Boyd by a really good European run. We were a bit flat in the league maybe after that. Um you know we all We'd all enjoyed the trips abroad. We thought, we we hoped there were going to be more. And I suppose when we sat down at the end of last season, basically we said, do we do one or two things? Um do we do we spend to try and stay up there in the top two or three or four, and um, to stay in Europe, or do we cut the budget back and save and spend? You know, we'd obviously um, built up some surplus from Europe. And do we spread that over a two or three year period? And I suppose the view was that if we if we um, took the gamble of spending to stay in Europe, that that became self sustainable after a while. And obviously, I expect you know it 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 was a it was a horrible season, really. There's no other way to describe it. Uh, but you know it, it's it's uh, and it, you know I think to some extent, you know we'll have a good conversation about it now, but. For all of us, we probably need to draw the line under it and move on because you know it was what it was, but it has consequences as well. Like that, it has financial consequences and squad consequences. So, but yeah, desperate season. Yeah, and like virtually everything that went wrong went wrong last season, and um, so uh, a myriad of things. So,
4: can I actually ask David how was how was that decided? Then, is there maybe like a, a vote taken, or you know which way to go? Is it just is it probably consistent meetings? On which way to approach the season that way,
3: at, at the beginning of last
4: season, indeed, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So, so, we, yeah, the 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 various budgets positions would have been laid out and um, before the committee, um, and um you know, I suppose that yeah, a, a decision was taken to to you know, um, heavily heavily back the manager and 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 the squad. And, um, you know, like we, I suppose we as a committee and, you know, you as supporters and, and you know, the, the support or a group of people to do wonderfully with it. So, um, you know, it's not the committee don't have a massive role in the recruitment um, or don't have much role at all. That's really down to the the manager and the assistant manager, et cetera. Um, So we're laying out the platform, um, given the financial platform. So, yeah, it was a huge disappointment. Yeah, absolutely.
5: And I guess this season, David, um, we're probably going to have to suffer the consequences of, um, I guess, failure on the pitch. Um, So in terms of budget, um, Chris Benson is asking uh, how much will the, the budget be cut by for next season?
3: Yeah, um big cut, um thirty-five, forty percent, um, that kind of number. Um and you know it's you can't and I said earlier on, we, we probably need to emotionally draw draw a line under the season, but you know, we will we will go from having money in the bank to owing money, um which will have to be dealt with. So it it will have a hangover, like people like yourselves. Have been fantastic, you know. I think you've given us the fifty grand or the guts of fifty grand or give or take, which is which which is massive. And this season, five hundred club, um, the lotto, the annual draw, the halftime raffle, uh, ticket sellers, etc. But you know, despite huge support, we're going to go into the season owing money, having had money in the bank last year. So we're looking at a sizable loss, Jerry, for this year. And, um, you know, if we had 200 and if we 200,000 and, you know, we, we're, we're definitely going to have a six figure loss. We could, we could lose 250, 300, uh, maybe 350. So in worst case scenario, we could be going into next season owing 200,000 to revenue and to, on, on some loans. So they have to be paid back the revenue short term. You know, we've nowhere else to go for funding except, you know, our own community and our own grouping. So. Um, those paybacks have to come off next year's budget so yeah it's, it's, it's it, you know we're going from a position where we had the luxury of making maybe a number of additional signings that we thought were going to be game changers in terms of you know keeping us in top two or three or four to having a very young lean hung, hungry squad and probably younger players and some older players and you know I'm I think we might all be looking forward to that a bit. We we saw, we saw a fair bit of ex, you know, excesses this year in terms of people on a lot of money and not performing. And you know, that's I think the worst thing that slugger Overs fans witnessed. You know, that just doesn't go down well. The less talented players who are actually earning their money, and you
5: know, we live with suppose, a lot easier. I suppose so, points, just to clarify, so give or take we are going into the um we had 150,000 surplus, but we will lose 350. So, you know, worst case scenario. So we'd be coming in with a 200,000 euro loss going into next season. Deficit.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we will owe 200. We've gone from, in simple terms, having 200 in the bank to owing 200.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the figures, like we're only, we're not finished the financial year, Jerry. So there's a bit to go on that, but it is going to be a very sizable loss. And um, there's a few reasons behind that. I suppose one, the club's just got that bit more expensive to run before we start putting out a first team squad or a men's squad or, or manager. And um, there's a base cost there of about 950000 So people that would say, look, we need to go back to the old days where it's a million a year in the budget, whatever, that's not realistic because we're now running eight teams. And um, obviously, last year we had the. Um, you know we had a, a, a ridiculous injury record including you know three a- three ACLs in senior players and one in a in a guy that you know was on the on the, was one of the better players in in the, in the under 19s and you know was earmarked for squad appearances so and we had a we had a load of other serious injuries so we ended up having to double up about five or six players last year um we also had um decided um, I haven't taken advice that um, uh, there was a COVID exemption for benefit and kind and accommodation, and, and we availed of that exemption in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, and I suppose accommodation for players one that has got a lot more expensive, and the better the player you bring in, now I know a lot of people would say there weren't better players, and you know I'd agree with that, but you know, the more expensive or supposedly higher calibre player you bring in, the more you're into single accommodation, maybe guys with, with, with you know, partners and kids, and we had a few of those. Uh, so you're buying, you know, a two-bedroom apartment. You're not buying, you're, you're renting a two-bedroom apartment for, you know, a enough semi-detached house and, you know, they would have lived with that. So, um, you know, next year is going to be completely different on that. Uh, we're going to scale that right back. Uh, we've no choice so um what else happened last year or this year um just in relation
5: to um you know lock some of the obvious pair um didn't perform and bogdan would be top of the list there um are you able to um disclose how much uh, bogdan was paid off because some of the the figures that i see been uh Thrown around and misinformation been spread and just Chinese whispers, and people love that sort of thing. But are you able to clarify how, exactly how much he was paid off? Yeah, I can come very, very close to it, Jerry. Like, I suppose
3: Bogdan was on a two year contract and um, a good contract,
5: including accommodation.
3: And things don't work out. Then you're sitting down, you're trying to negotiate and eat that player out. Um, and you're hoping that player has another offer. And you do always need to come to some settlement. You know, he had 18 months left on this deal. So we paid Bogdan just over 10% of the rest of his deal. And um, the figure, I've, I've seen 60 grand, 30 grand. We didn't pay anything like either of those two figures. We paid him 10% or just over 10% of the value of the rest of his contract. And I don't sugar over supporters. And... Um, would say that that was good business by the club. I completely accept it wasn't good business to sign him in the first place, but, you know, signing guys is the lottery. Um, but he he was paid just over 10% of the value of the rest of his contract. And it, so to put that in a positive way, we saved 90% of the balance of his contract. So, you know, and that is not 30 grand. It's certainly not 60. It's way less than both those figures. So the 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 57 up today and the 30 up today on... on, on uh, X or Twitter are completely wrong. Okay, so good to kill that one, actually, Jerry, and thank you for asking me because, you know, I do understand. Like we're all, we're all trying to fund this and do annual draws and et cetera, et cetera, and the feeling that we might, the club might somehow be paying Bogdan off uh, to the tune of sixty grand. Just sounds like we're all, you know, swimming against the tide. I was going to say pissing against the wind, but now I've said it. Um, <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah. Look, it's good to. It's good to clear it
3: up because, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation going around, don't you? There's some guys... And like, I think, yeah, I think buying a fella out for 10% of his contract is, you know, when it's not working. I don't think anybody, I don't think any logical Cyber Rovers fan would, you know, that we all resent the money. And, but, you know, I don't think any of us in cold light today would say that was bad business, you know, escaping from 90% of the liability. It just it burn out and
0: and you know on all sorts of different levels, not just the playing level. Yeah. Okay. I suppose David, at this like at the start of the season as well, like from uh, from myself, like it must be very difficult for you when you're faced with the choice of kind of investing in the in squad or maybe trying to manage people's expectations and and probably trying to hold a, hold some money back. Like see, that's a, it's a difficult decision, you know and Like, I suppose if you didn't kind of go with the bigger budget, you're going to be labelled as having no ambition and holding the club back and stuff like that. So I like, I suppose I I really empathise with the kind of situation that you find yourself in at the start of every season. Like, it's not easy.
3: No, it's not easy, Donald. And, And, you know, yeah, it's not. And, like, the start of next season, next year's budget is going to be quite different. And I suppose in a way that's an easy decision because we don't have it. And, you know we can't gamble because we don't have it. Now, I think we, you know, John's one good player in red. He's talking to two or three others that, you know, or he's close on two or three others that, you know, would fit into the young, hungry um, category. So, you know, I think you'll see a more direct, a more direct style of football and less trying to be Barcelona. Um, And, uh, you know, we've just, uh, yeah, it is hard Donald, but this year it's not hard because there's only one way it can work, to be honest with you. And that is, you know, spend your spend you have and and not a penny more. But I think we'll still be competitive. I think it's going to be a hard league. I suppose context is important. Like there's a lot of money coming into the league. Player wages have gone up a lot. Um, you know, this is going to lead us into the discussion on is our month sustainable? Um but, you know, the days where, were, you know, we were, you know, top three or four budget are long gone, you know, long gone. And, you know, we probably will be in the bottom three in budget terms next year. So, you know, one of the other questions I saw was how are, the, how are we going to compete? Well, we're going to have to outperform our budget. That's the answer to that. We, we way underperformed it last year. And we're going to have to outperform it next year, and that's that's entirely possible. And, you know, that depends on, on on a lot of factors. We did have a lot of kind of bad luck, particularly injuries and other things last year. So you know, you'd be you'd think we've taken our share of them now ACLs, et cetera, For a number of years, but who knows? David, so it is hard. to not it's not hard this coming year because you know we can only spend what we have because we all we, we will owe money that we
2: have to pay back. David Enda Malloy on on Twitter is just asking the question about investors in the club and you know running the risk of allowing them to come into the club, And he points us you know Brian Pat maybe having benefactors who are lifelong fans of the club, so maybe they're willing, they're happy enough to go at a loss. But in terms <clears> of, <throat> of investors making money out of League of Ireland clubs, it's not really. It's not really a thing that there is no money to make an League of Ireland club, no matter how good you even do in Europe. Yeah, I'm no, really there isn't. The, yeah, the most you can get is a is a group stage place, really, isn't it in the
3: Europa? Yeah, and like Shamrock Rovers would prove that, Sean. Like they're four titles in a row, and they're you know they're rumored to have lost a se- seven figures this year, and you know there's there looks to be quite a dispute going on between their 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 ownership actions despite having you know one four in a row and yeah look it's it's a difficult question and <laughs> um, it's 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 about finding the right type of investor like obviously absolutely right you know Derry have a have a benevolent investor not looking for a return and happy to you know happy to back the club and write those checks and Pat's have the same but like you know we've seen Watford in a mess you know there's stuff going on in Shelburne Stuff going on in Dundalk. Stuff going on in Shamrock Rovers. Um, I think it's it's very difficult. i um you know, I, I know Tommy Higgins, our chairman, has talked about uh, the fifty plus one model in Germany. I'm just looking at, looking at it up today. Like Bayern Munich have Audi, Adidas, and Allianz as as uh, sort of passive investors, and the fans own seventy five percent of the club. The club and in the Bundesliga. Fans have to own 50% of the club plus one share. So, fans have to have a majority. That would be a wonderful place to get to. I know it's it's an emotive thing in in Sligo because we're so proud of what we do and how we do it. And I suppose every year the fundraising figure is an extraordinary number, somewhere between three and 500,000. And you'd have to ask what would happen to that if we took in one or two serious investors? Like, does that does that fall off the off the table? I think it, it. I think it would to some extent. So, you know, I don't think it's a. I don't think there's a simple answer there, except that we got some, you know, some Philip O'Doherty type and um, in, you know, investor. He's not really an investor. He's he's a supporter. He's you know, um, a, sugar but,
4: hmm?
3: a sugar daddy. Well, yeah, that's probably you know, yeah, possibly, yeah, that's yeah, probably probably uh, but you know fair play to him he's 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 supported the club you know and you know through a long period of time and, and I know he's he sold his own business recently and I'm sure he's putting even more support into it but there's not you know we don't have one of those shown so um, like I think the idea of you know Dundalk sold to a hedge fund like that's just bonkers you know like there's absolute there's only one way that's going to end up and um, you know it's absolutely bonkers. So, yeah.
2: David, is, is there a case to be made that you mentioned Dundalk and Shelburne and even Shams? And, you know, these clubs could maybe be on a bit of a rocky foundation at the moment. Is there a case we made where you look back in 2009, 2010, we kind of went about our business quietly, built up a decent squad and finances? We weren't spending masses of amounts of money. Mm-hmm. We built a bit of a solid foundation and ended up having our most successful period as a club, because other clubs financially were suffering at the time, and we just picked up the pieces and went about our business correctly. Is there a case that maybe we could do that again? I know you still have Derry and Pats and maybe even Drada coming up now as well with their investment, but yeah is, is, yeah is, we- is there still life what I'm trying to say basically, is there still life in a community-run club?
3: Yeah, no, there is. Like, I suppose I know you're going to talk to John O'Connor. Like, those are those are, you know, those would have learned a lot of things over us from us over the years. We 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 would learn a lot of things from them. They just have a, you know, they have a better catchment area in terms of of numbers and sponsors. And you know, we didn't have a Matt Doherty, and um, or if we did, we sold them at a completely different price many many moons ago. Um, so. Um, without a sell-on but, and, and you know all, all our recent departures have significant sell-ons so um yeah no, I think there is a place but I think it's getting harder and harder and I think if you look back to 2008-2009 there were, they were serious recessionary times 2010-11-12 so do we need a good recession for Sligo Rovers to, to rise up again possibly because then you know the money goes out of the game and you're back to community and local funding and that's where we're we're way stronger you know other than both probably like we're stronger per head than both but just have a lot more people and a lot even a lot more members so um i think in the current environment where there's a load of money flowing into the league it's almost impossible or very very difficult for us to to keep competing. And it's, you know, last year we tried to and we couldn't, you know, we not that we couldn't, we didn't, because there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of probably recruitment mistakes made. Um, but, um, yeah, times change as well, Sean, who knows what the thing is going to look like in five years' time.
2: Um, regards as well, David, you touched on players um, has been sold there as well. And just regards to like Max and maybe even going back to Aiden Kina as well, you know I, I know a lot of fans are frustrated at the timings of their sales and again, going back to this information that was brought on this that they were just basically sold underneath and taken from underneath the manager's feet like that is not. they have release clauses in the contracts, had they
3: yeah, they had release clauses in the contracts and and they you know they were sold for you know I think those were pretty much reported accurately and um, we have sell on clauses you know we have additional clauses when they reach a some certain number of appearances. But, you know, if the player wants to go and they have a release clause, and be honest about it, if most Sligo Rovers players are offered, you know, two or three times the wage to pay in, to play in League One, it's like a promotion for any of us in work. That's how they look at it. It's a, it's a promotion. Um, and although all the players are... Sold did have release clauses, even if they didn't have, I think it would have been very, very hard to hold them. And it's not a question of being sold under the manager's feet. Like the game has moved a lot. So agents have a lot of power, players have a lot of power, clubs have less power than than they had. So you know, you're you're I would regard those as You know A reasonable bit of business But definitely football wise Damaging No question about it um, But We didn't have a lot of choice In the show
5: I suppose uh, David One of the things That I would kind of hear Quite regular And It will be something That I would agree with Is that um, Just suppose in terms of Fan engagement And communication From the club Can be A little bit hit and miss At times um and is there any plans going forward say for instance uh to maybe increase that or make it better um yeah even through like yeah yeah there there is a
3: plan and um, jerry we're 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 close we're close to securing funding um for a for a community fan engagement um person and I suppose I'm voluntary. The rest of the committee are all voluntary. I run my own business. I give this twenty, ten, twenty, fifteen 10, 20, 15 hours a week, every week on top of the day job and and looking after my own business. We've a very small number of non-football uh, permanent staff, like about five, I think, and they're not all full-time. Um, a lot of the other clubs have benefited from through things like the Liverpool um, foundation where they, you know, I think the seven of the premier clubs have a community officer paid for them by the Liverpool foundation. Obviously we have an alliance with Everton and, and um, they're not funding that at the moment. They're not funding us in that position or anybody else. Um, but we've, we think we have secured alternate funding and are about to employ somebody. And yeah, it's, it's simply down to resources, Jerry. It's not lack of lack of willpower. Like you know, it's not. We just don't. You know, Bose. You're talking to John O'Connor. Be asking how many permanent empl- full-time employees they have. I said that fifteen or twenty, and like they have about five people in the community and um, affairs piece. You know, we have we had a part-time Colin and a part-time um, Jane who do the very best amongst loads of other roles, but. Um, the answer to your question is absolutely we could do it better. And it looked as if we're about to uh, achieve funding for one person, which would be a good start to it.
5: So, David, just in terms of the stadium, again, there's a lot of, I suppose, um, stories going around that money has been redirected from the player budget into funding the stadium. So is it a case of where the team are suffering at the expense of the stadium?
3: No. Um, we were quite clear that we put 100,000 into the initial drawings to get um, outline planning permission. That, that was, and you know, in, in the year where you bring in 850,000 in Europe to kickstart, you know, a long-term project that's going to benefit the club um, was important. There was no other funding available. So, and I think, you know, that'll end up being pretty much everything that the club will end up putting in. Where is the thing at the moment? Um, we are at detailed design stage. The costs on that stage are approximately 450,000. We have secured funding for that stage and um, literally just signed last week um, from the FAI, to be fair. Um, and uh, it's part loan, part grant. We've been... Told quietly that the loans may never be repayable, um, but they may be. Um, so um, the next stage, which is detailed design and then going to tender, is entirely funded. It's like Lego blocks, um, Jerry. Um, so there'll be, there'll be no commitment from the club on that, no out from the playing budget on that. The next stage after that is really dependent on, um, getting what's called large and um, funding and um, absolutely incorrect to say that we're behind other clubs both don't have permission we have we're actually ahead of there was something else from wexford yesterday and um, we're we're way ahead of the two of them and um, and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of good work going on there's a there's a special project committee has a um, very good guy, Tom Kelly on it, Tommy Gorman's on it, um, myself, Mark, Brendan are on it, Tommy Higgins. Um, and there's a lot of good work going on there, but it is being run through a separate bank account. It is separately funded. And the reality is for Cy Groves, it'll have to be grant funded. Like, the, you know, there's no possibility. It, the numbers are too big, Jerry. You, you know, there's no possibility of us funding it, you know, from taking it from the player playing budget. Uh, there's no funding in the second stage, and you know to develop the thing at all, we're going to need grants and and substantial grants, but we're ahead of others. and we'd be hopeful. Um, uh, we'd be hopeful that we will be looked after well, and we've another source of funding as well. and um, so um and that's pretty much confirmed, but no 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 equity input by the by the club other than the ground itself. So and no impact on the playing yeah. budget other than the hundred thousand, which was clearly flagged. So the the misnomer that there's lots of money going out to fund the development is is incorrect.
5: Yeah. So you're you're just breaking up there a little bit throughout that. So just to clarify, that a hundred thousand from uh, the eight hundred and fifty thousand was clearly flagged for the to get the project to up and running. No other money has been siphoned off from player budgets or any other budgets uh, for the developments to to proceed the development.
3: Yeah, and I said the numbers are too big. Like you're looking at an 18 or 20 million stadium. There's not a hope in hell we'd, we'd fund that um, through, through siphoning off from day to day budget. So we, we, we're depending on grant funding and other funding going our way. And um, so.
5: Um, just sort of again in relation to the stadium. So uh, a question has come in to say that we were supposed to have floodlights installed a few years ago and They still haven't been installed. C- could you give us an update in relation to that? Um, yeah, the, those there was
3: a there's a problem with say, over the last couple of years. The, the the contract has been signed with the with the supplier. Um the way it works, Jerry, is you have to actually put them in, and then you change, you claim it. So you have to get inter- an interim loan because you know we don't have it. To, so that those loan documents are being signed next Tuesday. So I think the floodlights, subject to the contractor's availability, will be in for the start of next season. That will be the the hope. Um so, yeah, that's all. That's all. One hundred percent proceeding. Okay, and David.
2: Will there be any other further works done before next before next season in regards to the stadium?
3: Not really, Sean. Like, there's a little bit of. There's always a little bit of you know, trying to trying to work on the Jinx Avenue stand to keep it open because it's not in good you know that probably is costing us 20 to 30,000 a year in terms of you know mine you know it's actually minor repairs and um, we obviously did the sounds the sound system last year there's one or two other small things happening but but nothing dramatic i mean the the hope would be that you know the the Jinxes Avenue stand uh Will be torn down in 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 uh, two or three years. So we're 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 trying to nurse it through to that, which does involve a small amount of expenditure. But you know, really nothing with yourselves. We did that. We did the club shop last year, which I which you know has gone very well and um, you know um, has multiplied our our on site retail and um, sales. And thanks guys for for giving us the space, giving the club the space to do that and um, in. But no, no no, no mad plans because, you know, it doesn't make sense, Sean. Um, you know, the AstroTurf um, would be another project that we, we will look at, short, you know, because uh, that the surface needs to be replaced. So, um, and there was some work done, uh, you guys mightn't be aware of, there was some work done in conjunction with Merville to upgrade their pitch so that our first team players could train on grass put you know we in the partnership with Merville um we have um uh specked up their main grass pitch you know we we got the the guy that looks after our pitch to to do and that you know that was a that was a that was probably a fifteen thousand spend but you know it's a good spend because um when players are training all the time on astroturf it's just not good for, you know it's not good for crooked ligament it's not good for knees etc so John really wants them to train on grass and, um, you know, except if the weather is terrible. So we put money into upgrading the, the Merville um, pitch in, in partnership with, with them. And we're grateful to them for facilitating. In terms of techniques, yeah. in
0: terms of techniques David, then for the, the, I suppose, the stadium redevelopment, would you say that you're on track with that or? or are you yeah, the things
3: always perfect? slip. Yeah, a little bit, normal, but
0: um, yeah, no, we are
3: pretty much on track. Um, like there's a couple of big big things to come. And, um, you know, the the you know unless we get significant funding, there's no way we we can actually, you know, go ahead. And whatever funding we get will determine what we're able to do. Um, but we're yeah, we're pretty much on track. And you know, we're we're delighted we've got permission. We're now, as I said, yeah, out getting detailed drawings done. That's all that's all funded and um, fair play through the FAI, um, much maligned organisation, um, but they've been good to us. Um, yeah, so we're, we're pretty much on time and we're ahead of, you know, maybe projects that get a little bit more noise like Bohemians were ahead of them. So um, I suspect we'll be decided at the same time as them, to be honest with you, but there's a lot of support for, a, you know, for a a good regional centre ground up and up and Uh, in the northwest, and we'd be confident of getting good funding
2: David just to bring it back slightly then to on field matters and obviously you've made a huge decision in straight away in the off season by keeping John on Mm. where many fans would have probably went against that decision and maybe would have said this is a safe option I've gone on record on the last podcast and says I think it's the complete opposite I think it's actually a very brave decision by the board and just how do you feel on that reasoning from the board to continue on with John as in the position of manager yeah i suppose um
3: th- look it's it's you know undoubtedly a lot of mistakes were were made last year um in recruitment um and probably in playing style as well um you know we've had a thorough review of that with john we think he has the he has the core ingredients to be a very good manager. He's going to have his work cut out because the budget is cut back. He's very young in management terms. He's very hungry. He works incredibly hard. He's a good coach. He's local. He's bought into the club. Um, not, you know, not that he's purchased shares in it, but, you know, emotionally he's, 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 you know, he's one of us. Um and, but most of all, we think that he's going to be a very good manager. And, you know, I suppose we've given him a one-year extension. We um, And, you know, I hope that maybe halfway through next year, we'll be sitting down with John Russell and saying, John, you know, that worked, you know, have another two or three years. But a similar performance next year relative to, to budget will have consequences, um, you know, um, the days uh, guys are bringing a you know a speculative candidate in from England or over like they're they're you know' f- f- seen some things that you know, can we find the next Paul Cook, et cetera, et cetera, like honestly, we have to have somebody on board that's in tune with our youth and and bringing young players through and knows knows what's in the academy and will give them chances um and John's squad next year is going to have a lot of academy players in it, and particularly on the bench and you know, been on for 15 or 20 minutes here because we're not going to have the luxury of the number of senior players that we had this year. So, you know, I think John and Ryan will work their butt off to prove to us that last year was a bit of an, uh, this year was a bit of a horrible year. And, you know, like he's, he's, he, I don't, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, he's at the beginning of his professional career. The first, the first six months were wonderful uh, in terms of the European run. The second twelve months were horrible, and like I know, the guy is going to, you know, the management committee know that John is going to put his very best into making sure it can work in, you know, restricted circumstances. So yeah, we we think he's the right man, and I do think the supporters' expectations need to change a tiny bit. But I, I no problem with high expectations for last year. I had them myself, and um, you know, we 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 did a budget to 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 we 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 supported the playing side of it with a budget to, you know to to deliver highly and it didn't happen so next year we're into a bit of a rebuild um and you know we're into trying to outperform maybe what you know our budget relative to other clubs so um yeah and i think john will be very very determined to prove that you know he has a future career in management and you know hopefully that will be a sign over there's no guarantee, Sean, in anything, though. There's no guarantees with the magic candidate from the UK. There's no guarantees with, you know, some of the other candidates that are maybe floating around and there aren't that many of them. So, you know, we think we think that's the right decision and we think John will work his socks off to prove it.
5: Well, we we'll kind of finish up now in a minute or so and just um, pulling questions here again from the, the, the ones that have been sent in to us. And, um just on a personal note, what's, you know, where's Alan, Alan Kearns yet? Yeah. Uh, with a full-time job and pressure balance in the book, what keeps you motivated and, you know, keep working on like Rovers? God, I don't know, Jerry. <laughs> 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 it's Madness. hard in years like
3: this, to be honest with you. Um, the good years are great. I love the European run. It's just hard, but, you know, um yeah, it's 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 a lot of work. Um, it's a big commitment, um, and I've done maybe I've done two stints of this. Really, I've done fifteen years at this stage. So, yeah, look, it's 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 a challenge to keep going at it. But I suppose it's just in my DNA at this stage. So, you know, same as yourselves. To be fair, you do a huge amount of work.
5: Yeah. Hard to put your finger on it. Um, and then, yeah, it's hard to put. It's not logical, Jerry. Anyway, oh, definitely not. Um, and then just from Jamie Murphy, um just in a time when there's been a fair amount of negativity in terms of how the team fared last season, what message would you have uh to give supporters to be optimistic for the season ahead?
3: Yeah, but it's, like there is a lot of negativity, and you know um I can't you know I can't blame people for that. It feels some of it you know on a personal level myself. The only way that we can compete is to stick together and you know season tickets go on sale on friday that people you know buy season tickets um we're swimming against the tide here we're we're in the northwest we've to put all the players up we've to pay probably in some cases more to get them here we are bussing them to every match where you know and if they're in dublin half you know seven seven out of 10 matches are, are 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 you know involve no transport costs same with all the underage teams um I think we'll have a a a, a squad that fits Sligo overs much better next year. It'll be younger, hungrier, um, and um, we'll have a manager that you know is absolutely determined to prove. Uh, so I think you'll see you'll see a lot more up and atom in terms of style. And um, you know, there's nothing worse to me, and I think to most of us, than watching guys that are you know technically capable. Kind of going through the motions and not getting stuck in. I don't see, think you're going to see that at all next year. Um, so you know, I think I think it's time to turn turn the chapter, Jerry, and you know, put last year behind us. It was a it was a horrible year. Um, it will have some implications, but you know, honestly, we're 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 so much better together. And um, there's some new areas of funding we're looking at. We've a new CEO in. The ground development is ahead of others. Uh, we've got you guys. We've got Vincent Nally. We've got good underage teams. Um, you know we're we're fanatically supported. So you know if we stick together, we kind of yeah we all we're all entitled to to moan about last season. Um, but you know we have to now put that behind us and hit on into in into next year, uh, which is going to be a really competitive league, like with Galway and Watford coming up. And they're heavily backed. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to look at it, they're going to have a right budget. You know, there's it's going to be it's going to be a good league. Um, but I don't think that, you know, I think you know, if, if we finish in the in the top five or six or fourth or whatever, that would be a massive achievement. Um, whereas last year I think we 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 had the budget to think we were entitled to. We we're never entitled to, but you know, we the hope. But you know. I think it's going to be a tough, tough league next year. So, and we need to stick together. There's no, absolutely no joy in us pulling each other apart because it's hard enough as it is. To be honest with you, or criticizing the club, or I've seen, oh, I'm not going to buy a season ticket and protest about signing this player or that player. Like honestly, you know, we're we're kind of doomed if that that kind of uh, mentality. You know, thankfully, I, you know, I I do understand. Like, sure, I feel the same myself. I'm sure you guys feel the same as well, but. We have to draw a chapter on it. We have to draw the line on it, and things will have to work for us, or we'll have to go down into the into the academy and get players in from there. That that'll work. So, um, look, it's time to turn the page and move on. Season tickets out on Friday, guys. You know, there te- you know they weren't bad players technically, but just the style of football is it was a little bit too um, in your face and and um, you know a bit too physical. Um, but yeah, look. Move on, time as I said. Season tickets out and uh, turn the chapter and let's let's get positive and look forward to twenty twenty four. Put this year behind us.
4: Did I say now we're joined by John O'Connor? John, first of all, welcome to uh, the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast.
1: Hi lads, nice to meet y'all. So, John,
4: we hear a lot about the. The state the league is in, and how great it is to see the league doing so well in the promotion of the league. How would you how would you describe the state the league is in at the moment?
1: Um, I suppose it's very hard to answer that question. I mean, the league the, the league is in a is in a good position um, in comparison to say where it's been in previous years. There's no doubt about that. Like the interest in the league has gone up exponentially, which has sort of fed into crowds and hopefully fed into sort of teams' commercial income and stuff like that. So certainly the league is a lot stronger than it has been in a long time. But it, a lot of clubs are very dependent on benefactors um, putting money in and keeping the show on the road. And as long as those benefactors are putting money in and keeping the show on the road, everything is very good. But if that sort of gravy train ever stops, that's where the problem is. Um, I looked at this recently Um, in the 2000s, Bose, I'm I'm obviously a Bose fan, so we were partly guilty of this as well. A lot of the success and a lot of the thing is built on debt, which is obviously very dangerous for clubs because you're building up a, a debt mountain. The good thing about the league now when you look around the league is it's not being built up on debt. So the people who are putting money in are actually putting in real physical cash and are sending that cash, but they're not borrowing on the club. So if things do stop, um, clubs aren't left with a legacy of debt, whereas the 2000s, Shamrock Rovers, Bowes, Drogheda, Derry, Shelburne, they all had millions and millions of debt and and that hamstrung clubs, most of them went bankrupt and started again. Uh, We didn't, but we ended up selling daily amounts in in order to service our debts, if you know what I mean. So the league is better than it was then is what I would say, Um, but it still can't stand on its own two feet as a sort of commercial proposition, let's say.
2: John, in regards to the attendances, you've done a graph there recently, and there's been a substantial rise, hasn't there, across the board. What's the main factor in that? Obviously, there's a, the quality of football on the pitch and that, but in regards to the phone calls, there seems to be a lot more fan engagement than even this, uh, the prospect of a night out nearly in the likes of Daily Mount or inchicore or talk is on the cards, is that is that something that is helping the growth of attendances
1: so yeah the league has seen good growth in crowds
2: over the last sort of five or six seasons um
1: from 2016 to 2023 we're up around 126,000 or sorry 126 percent and there was nearly 800,000 people that came through the gates in the league this year um which is which is which is very very good and all crowds across the country are seeing it in your question around dublin i think demographics are playing a big A big thing there, like I mean, the Dublin clubs obviously have a big base of fans to pull for, um, and which we historically didn't. Like I I used to go to Daly Mount in the in the nineties and the two thousands, and you wouldn't know there was a game on on a Friday night. You'd you'd drive up in Daly Mount Park, you you'd rock up. There would be thousand fifteen hundred people, and apart from me knowing Daly Mount Park was there and the game was on, you would not know that. I think it was over the last few years. Um, everywhere I- including them have done a lot more to engage in the community i think the women's sections have helped i think the the academy sections have helped i think all the various initiatives in the community but i think the big thing that the dublin clubs have like cork would have it, to some degree galway waterford is they have a much bigger population center to pull in from so when we do these initiatives say compared to when you do these initiatives let's say we, we have a chance to grow our crowds a lot stronger than you do, just purely because of the number of people we can target. And we were very bad at that for an awful long time. All of us, all, all, all the clubs were very bad at it. And, and thankfully now we've all got very good at it. So I don't think there's any one reason why crowds have grown. I think it's a combination of 20 different reasons. but but And I think social media has been a big help because you can advertise directly to people in your area um. whereas in the old days it was the RTE or it was the papers and that like and whereas now you can be very targeted and everything else like so um but I think the one thing we have in as I said is the demographics we have a population center that we've now finally started to tap into
0: actively uh, and that's what's helped us grow crowds so strongly. Would well, you have many people John working in the community I suppose uh, community liaison people uh in both
1: um, we would have um, two full-time people, well, sorry, up to this year, we had two full-time people and they would have been funded by the various programs that we run with grants. So they didn't cost the club any money. They were, they, they would be sort of, we, we do various grants through central government and local government um, for programs we run and everything else. That's going up, I think, to four people next year because we've got a very big commute, um, climate grant now. So they're not they're not out in the community working day to day on bows, but they're working on projects that impact the local community, be it be it sort of integration, be it climate, be it walking football, be it whatever. And that's, again, something only in the last three years we've got really good is sort of tapping into, tapping into the sort of the grand side of things. It doesn't help the first team, doesn't help the football side. But what it does do is just allow us to sort of help people in the community uh, and sort of our name gets known because of that, if you know what I mean.
0: It's definitely something we could learn from in in in, in the showgrounds, and anyway, I think the kind of tap into the whole the 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 grants that are available out there definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I
1: mean, like since we've done the first one or two, you learn how the grant application process works. You get a name for then doing it. You deliver a program or two, people get confidence that you can do these things, and then it makes your later grant applications a, 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 an awful lot. I won't say easier, but you're a more you're a more known quantity than you were at the start, as such. Like, and it's really good for sort of community engagement and everything else. Like, yeah.
2: John, the elephant in the room, then for most people in the league is investment in the sides and stuff. And do you personally see any? benefit
1: to having an investor come into the league of Ireland club with this present thing? Well, <laughs> I can see one benefit in that they have money, but um, personally speaking, coming from my background, I'm, I'm a member of Bows for just over 30 years. So I sort of, I've owned my own football club for longer than long for more than half my life. And um, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's good. I I, I think it's very unstable. If, if you look at English football, the lower le- reach of English football, which is where we're at, um, owners come and go every two or three years in clubs because basically they run out of money. They, they they basically go in with some plan and then they realize that the plan doesn't work. And then they sell to somebody else who does it for a couple of years. And you can end up like clubs like Birdie and Oldham and very traditional old English clubs. Some of them have been a business, some of them are in the sixth tier of English football, having gone from owner to owner to owner. And those owners leave a, leave a legacy of debt. Um. So like, are there advantages to it? Yes, of course, if you can get the right owner, let's say. But the chances of getting the right owner are very, very slim. From From an investment thesis point of view, and I've looked at this every which way possible, I'm, I study the League of Ireland accounts as well as I can. Sadly, you, you have to file detailed accounts because you're a co-op. So do Cork and so do Finn Harps, but most clubs don't. So it's, it's very hard to sort of get a handle on the running costs of the whole league. But UEFA file a benchmark report every year. And the Premier Division here two years ago, our total turnover was 20 million. So that, that was the total turnover of 10 clubs in the League of Ireland was 20 million. To put that into context, the turnover of League One, where loads of our players are going to, is 224 million sterling. Now, yes, there's 24 teams in that league, but like they're they're running between nine and 10 million sterling a year in terms of their annual income, where the average League of Ireland club is running at 2 million. Um, and they can't make money over in England at that level of turnover. Like the 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 losses in the championship and league one are crazy. So, as I said, an investor thesis to me makes no logical sense. Um, you've seen it with Waterford, they had Lee Power, he sold, then they have Richard Forrest, he sold now they have um what's his name Andy Pilly um he's so, so like and he's in jail yeah exactly <laughs> um so they've had they've had three owners they've had three owners in the space of 4 years and, and they lost considerable money between them like like, like and, um lee power lost specific or significant money Dundalk had peak 6 now they've had 2 years of the current owners are looking for further investment again between peak 6 and the last 2 years again they've lost sizable money so uh, why an investor would want to come in here, I, I can't answer that question. I, I keep hearing the word investor. I call it charity. Um, I say that on Twitter all the time. It's, it's, it's really rich people giving other rich people donations in terms of their wages because they're not making a return. Like there's They're not making a return. Like You can go back to Artaga in Cork with the hedge fund and so on Sport. There's been loads of people who've come into League of Ireland football down the years um, none of them have made money. That, that's a simple way of saying it. So from an investment thesis, no, I don't understand why investors would come in here.
5: There's, um, John, there's a lot of kind of, I suppose, a lot of people that support Sligo Rovers now and I suppose they're seeing, uh, say, for instance, the likes of Drada, uh, recently being taken over. Um, and I suppose a lot of people see it as maybe a, a quick fix. Why, why, why would this hedge fund or whatever, the he, whatever they are come in and buy Drogheda United and like what's in it for them and advice would you give to Sly Rovers supporters that would consider selling out to uh, a hedge fund like that
1: well, well look I I can't I honestly can't answer what's in it for them because as I said to you I can't rationalise how anybody will get a return on investment on a League of Ireland investment so I I, I can't, even with crowds going up and draw, even with selling players, you, you take all media reports this year, like Shamrock Rovers will win the league this year, or they won four in a row. I call, again, I talk about rumours, I prefer talking about the actual accounts, yeah. but all, all rumours are that Shamrock Rovers will lose two million quid this year. Now that's after selling and Andy Lyons, that's after pocketing hundred thousand euros in, in in European money, and that's after pulling in 6000 a week on average in, in their gates. Like, like so if they are losing 2 million a year at that level like that that shows you sort of what it costs to run a competitive team and that's fine rovers have the money they 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 they, they sold part of the club to, fo- to to have the funds in place to take the gamble they're taking and it's and, and and that's fine but as to why a hedge fund would come in here and invest i i I'll be honest with you i would love to see the investment thesis i i would love to see what someone's model is that sort of calculates they're going to spend X amount of money, they're going to lose X amount of money a year every year <laughs> and and then at the end they're going to make a pot of money because I, I, I can't I, I can't see it myself unfortunately.
5: But I, I suppose the supporters of Drada see that this crowd or they're being promised that this crowd are going to put money into their team uh, into their stadium whatever the, the case may be. Um, So I suppose that's maybe the benefit in terms of to the football club rather than the actual people that are buying the club
1: oh yeah no there's definitely short-term investments and like I, I suppose i'm the wrong person to, to talk about this because my natural inclination is that i would prefer to have 10 members on clubs playing in the premier division of the league of ireland that were all owned by the fans and we all lived and died by our own let's say community work our own ability to raise funds etc unfortunately football isn't like that anymore but yeah, like 100%, if you can get the right owner, like, I mean, as I say, um, there are clubs who have benefited like in England from having good owners who have taken the club on and left them in a better place than they found them. The problem is there's an awful lot more owners who have bought clubs and left them in a far worse place than they found them. And, and, and that's the risk you take when you sell your club to somebody that you don't know what decisions they will make, like whether... Like they will make promises. Anyone can make promises. I can rock up to Sligo tomorrow morning and promise I'll invest a load of money in your club and do X, Y, and Z. And once you sell me the club, I can sort of then do what I want. <laughs> um and, and that's the risk you take. Like like I mean, I mean, again, I don't I don't mean to speak bad about anybody, but like 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 I know a few of the Cork lads who were involved in Forest, like they genuinely sold their club because they thought they couldn't compete in the Premier Division as a member's own club. And like ten months later, they're now relegated. So you have the best thesis in the world as to we, we we need to sell, we need to be more competitive, we need to bring funds in, we can't compete, and there's no guarantees. Like right? there's just there's just no guarantees. Even after they did that with the best say the best intentions and the best will in the world, they've still got relegated because that's the beauty of football. <laughs> that that that's the beauty of football. It sort of makes idiots of us all. Um. So um. So yeah, but yeah, hundred percent. You can see why it's appealing. You can see why it's appealing to fans that it's it's a quick fix. It's an it's an easier fix. It's it's easier to go around and set Christmas draw raffles. It's easier than coming up with sort of in yeah. our case, it's easier than coming up with unique jersey ideas it's, it's different coming up with pushing membership. It's far easier for someone to write a check for a million or a million and a half a year and and fund things. Um, it's also far less enjoyable to me. Like like it's it's also far less enjoyable to me because that the essence as I said I was re- reared on owning my own football club so um i i would never vote to sell bows even if let's say even if the, the best owner in the potential world was coming in with loads of money and guaranteed i'd probably still sort of say no thanks <laughs> i st- i still go through the misery of of losing the cup on sunday and not having enough money to spend that then sort of have someone else do it for us but but unfortunately you as your group and me as me we're probably becoming more of the minority i mean life is life is about people wanting it sort of quick and easy and that's the way the modern world is going unfortunately but i would also sort of say football is cyclical um i look at us since Bose turned professional in 1968 69 so that's 55 seasons okay so we're a members club before then we were amateur everybody else was was professional but in the 55 seasons since we're the third most successful in the league of ireland team it can be done. Like we, 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 you, you, you can compete. Football is cyclical. Like we've won five cups in that time. So the special Shamrock Rovers in fifty-five years. Like, like, like. So, so you, you can compete. You have your peaks and troughs. Um, and I suppose that's just the beauty of football. Yeah,
5: I think uh, Cork City is a, a great example of where, you know they they did sell their club. Um, I think personally that it was a little bit lazy on behalf of the the members to sell it because I think they just thought that someone's going to come in and do all the work for them, give them all the money. But at the end of the day, they still got relegated, whereas ourselves, we come from a very small town, from a rural area, everybody works hard. And, um, you know, we probably undermine ourselves more than we we big ourselves up. For us to be competing in the Premier Division of Ireland on a consistent basis, uh, I I think that we probably... We don't we don't shout about that enough. We're we're probably too self-critical at times, and we should uh maybe give ourselves a, a pat on the back for, for what we do rather than looking over our shoulders at what draw are doing selling themselves down the slani, you know. and yeah. yeah, they might get a short term benefit for it, but at the end of the day, those those guys that own aren't gonna be around forever. no no and
1: and like again I, I see some of the stuff on Twitter. I, I'm a bit of a Twitter addict, it's the only social media I use, but I, I will be honest, I do use it a lot. Um but like I, I would estimate and again because clubs don't release figures like some of it's guesswork Um, like I would estimate that you probably had the seventh highest budget in the League of Ireland this year and yeah. you finished eighth so it's not like you it's not like you massively underperformed f- f- from your resources and unfortunately the way football has gone now it is very much the clubs who spend money like win teams like th- th- that's not Ireland that's yes. that's the world around like I mean Celtic and Rangers and Scotland Barcelona and Real Madrid in Spain, Bayern Munich in, in Germany, like the clubs who have the resources, like you get the odd fairy tale every now and then of Leicester City winning the league type thing. But the clubs who spend the money generally over the course of seasons like like end up the top of the table. And in our league, like Derry, Derry Rovers and Pats are the three clubs who are spending the most money and they're finishing first, second and third the, la- the last couple of years. Like So it, it's we're, we're moving we're moving into sort of what I'd call normal football behavior. Uh, Ireland used to be sort of, I won't say great, because it's not great, but clubs used to win something and then go bankrupt. <laughs> so so they, they, they'd win something, they'd run out of money, they'd start again, someone else would come along, they'd win something. Th- that sort of cycle has now ended, if you know what I mean. Like, And the clubs now that have consistently just got the money are going to be towards the top of the table. And as I said, I, I'd say Sligo had about the seventh highest budget in the league. And and you finished eighth. So so it's it's not like you massively underperformed. And again, when you look at demographics and everything else, it's I always I I know a few of the Finn Harps lads as well. Like, and I, I don't think people appreciate the work that's involved in keeping a club in the Premier Division in Ireland, and it's hard to do in Dublin. Like I was on the board for four years, it's hard to do in Dublin. But like in Sligo and Donegal, it's like 10x harder, if you know what I mean, like in that, like just in terms of the the amount of travel you have to do, the smaller population centres, et cetera, et cetera. So I I have nothing but respect for clubs that can sort of keep going on their own and stay competitive in, in, in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, just in relation then to, you know, the gap between ourselves and the English leagues, not to go too much into them, but we see a lot of our our top talents are now heading over to even League 2 teams on on big wages, but not necessarily playing games um, an awful lot of the time. How Do you think it's that detrimental for the league, or is it actually still a good process that our players are still going to cross the water?
1: Oh, I think it's detrimental. For the league to progress, we need to be selling our players to a higher level. That means we obviously need to develop our players to a higher level. Like, I mean, like, like we lost Dawson Devoy, we lost Promise, we lost Ross Tierney, we lost Danny Grant, and we lost them to average clubs, let's say. Like, MK Dons got relegated, which I have to say, I, I got so much joy out of last year. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am petty, but there you go. Um, but, but no, like. You see today the young lad at Waterford being linked with the likes of Southampton and other clubs and people talking about a fee of half a million euros. That's the type of player and the type of development we have to get, like Gavin Bazuna going to Man City. Like losing us losing players to the likes of Fleetwood or Oxford or you lost players to Cheltenham. If you, if you look at the stats over there, the lower, the lower down you go in England, the lower and lower the transfer fees get. So for us to progress the league and to invest in academies to make players the next generation of players better and better we need players going to a higher level. We will always lose players and that's fine. Every every league in the world probably is a feeder league now for the EPL. So, so so that's fine. We we all know our place but losing losing players for sort of 60, 70, 80, 100 grand transfer fees it's not ideal and doesn't really help us help help us develop the league. Um uh so no, I I don't think it's great. Um but the reason they're going is as I said earlier, is the average turnover of a League One team is is nine million sterling, and um, before they kick a ball from the from the Premiership and their TV rights, they're pocketed between two and a half and three million sterling a, a year, or just in that as a base before they start, and then their average crowd in League One is over ten thousand a week, and um, so you can see that those clubs have the money; they have far more money than we have, uh, which allows them to sign our better players for peanuts for them. And, and and our players are getting big pay rises going over there, and even with all those advantages, the the nine million, the higher crowds, most champion, most league one clubs are still losing a fortune. That's that's the scary thing. Like so, even at that level, they're still losing a fortune and need people to prop them up and keep putting money in to pay all those wages and that. So
2: yeah, John, even just from a Bo's point of view, because I know the lads will agree with me on this one as well. We're caught very badly here at, at Rovers. It's like. Like with the buyout clauses for young lads signing contracts and even, you know, our better players, there's always a buyout clause when they renegotiate a deal. Um, We can't seem to get that out of it. Are you caught by that as well?
1: We were, but we're not.
2: So we we, we,
1: we were... We haven't any of our new contracts now. We don't have any of those in. So, and we are getting we are getting that done. We are managing to sort of tie up players and and everything else. But we're we're basically not doing that anymore. Uh, I know other clubs are are trying to do the same. Like, and, and collectively we need to do like like we need to try and push the fees up, um, collectively because it benefits us all. So, um, but I think that's down to agents and players and everything else. Like, but we have so far. In, in in the last few deals we've signed with younger players, we, we don't have them in there anymore, and we, we are doing our level best not to. But like you, we, we have been caught in the past
0: 100%. It's funny, I suppose, just, just thinking about it, you know, like I suppose players that are going over to England, like what you're saying there, if a guy goes over to England and he's signed for 150,000, there's no real pressure on the manager to make that player a success. The, the, the transfer fee is so small. You know, like it's only hundred and fifty thousand in terms of the, the kind of numbers that you're talking about dear time in a, in a division one club. Um, you know, like if the player doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know. So like it's not great for the players either, I suppose, in the long run, if they're not getting game time, like you know.
1: No, oh, you you look at a lad that you'd be very familiar with, like 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 Johnny Kelly, the year he broke through for you just looked like a phenomenal talent. And you look at him at Shernop Rovers last year and he just looks like a different player but Irish young lads keep seeming to want to go to Celtic <laughs> 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 and and not really get a chance and not really sort of play much and then I don't know if it knocks confidence or, or what it does like, but like, like, Kenny, Kenny just didn't look the same player at Rovers that he did when he when he left yourselves, if you know what I mean. And and, and, and you see that, but the problem is those clubs are just able to offer when they meet the players, they're able to offer them better salaries, better training facilities, better everything and, and that just turns people's heads, unfortunately. Like rather than the more, like you, you look at some of the players who, who who left us, like like I suppose they've stayed a bit longer and and hopefully got that better move. Take Georgie Kelly is a good example. He worked around the League of Ireland and got himself a good move to Waterham and is playing football a bit. Like he's not a starter in the Championship, but he's a he he's a sub and he scores the odd goal in the Championship. But so many players want to go so fast. Like we we we've a couple. We have a couple of highly regarded young lads one left there in the su- in the summer went to a Belgium club like but they, they just want to they just want to get out like they just they just want to get that move and make the next step which hard hard to argue sometimes like hard to argue sometimes yeah
5: so um thanks to everybody that submitted questions for uh the podcast this evening um so we based all our questions around what you put in some of them we read out for bottom, word for word, other ones we we kind of we, we worked around it. But uh, I think everybody's point was 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 asked. So I'd just like to thank Jamie Murphy, uh SRFC, Enda Malloy, Nathan Scanlon, Chris Benson, Karen Quinn, Alan Cairns, Ushing More, Jerry Keeney, Daniel Lang, and there Aaron O'Connor as well. So and there probably are more, but I just didn't get a chance to get around to to capture them. Um it's, I look, in my opinion, uh, as a club, we should be doing more things like this. I think sh- more information should be put out there in the domain because when there's a lack of information put out there, it creates uh, a vacuum of negativity where people just kind of feed into and it just grows and, and spirals. And basically, anybody comes up with figures or I heard this, I heard that, and it just it gets out of control. So, I think as a club, we really need to get better at, at communication and hopefully going forward uh, with the various different appointments and uh, things that they're looking at that that will improve going forward because we're in the age of social media uh, loI TV and things like that and you know uh, platforms and the games and social media is available to everybody so we need to kind of get up to speed with that to uh, to keep everybody as happy as they can possibly be, and when I say we, I mean Sly Rovers, not the trust as such.
4: Thank you, Jerry.
5: Ronan. Cheers, Ronald. Cheers, Ronald. adieu for dirty, Ronald.
4: And cheers, Sean. All the best, boys.
2: Happy, Happy Christmas. Ronan. I heard thousands
0: of Sligo people. Oh, oh, oh. And I was proud coming without one. Best Living. town in the world. Best town in the
1: world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani.
2: they looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliott. Stenson!
3: One one! It's brilliant, 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 brilliant. Here comes quickly.